All right, y'all look good this morning. Y'all feel good this morning? Well, I'm going to ruin that for you. Because today's one of the hardest messages I've ever preached. And I got news for you. I start, I, I, I take this very serious because I'm scared to death I'm going to mess something up. And, and I got a big God. Okay, I don't want to do that. So I started preparing for three weeks from now, about Thursday, next week. I'm about half ready next week. But this message today has, I've been smitten, as the KJV would say, okay? It has just wore me out. And uh, I want to be, be fair, so I'm going to share the love. And uh, this message today um, will change everything in your life if you let it. This message is not because it's my message. It's because the truth that we're going to see today is something that we don't do very good at. We haven't understood it well. We haven't applied it well or at all. And I want you to know today that the truth that we're going to see today can set you free. Because that's the reason for this message. It's the reason for the, the text where we're at. We're in Exodus chapter 20 as we go through this book called Exodus, a 3,500-year-old book. And, and we're going to do a little mini-series called The Ten Commandments. And I know there's people in this world say, yeah, Ten Commandments. We're not supposed to live by the Ten Commandments. That's old. That's in the Old Testament. Well, I'm here to tell you, old things still have value. And if you're over 60, say amen. Okay. We still have value. And the Ten Commandments are still important and they still matter. Tell the person next to you, they still matter. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus took them seriously. He lived by them. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them. And that's what he did. Uh, there were 613 mitzvahs or laws in all of the Old Testament. And we learned last week that the 10 are really like cliff notes, just a summation of all of them. And we talked about the fact that the first four are vertical. That's our walk with God. And commandments 5 through 10 are horizontal. That's how we're supposed to live with each other. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus was confronted by a religious zealot and asked what's the most important commandment, he simply said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's one through four. And love your neighbor as yourself, five through ten. And so these things are important. And so if they're important in our life, we should know them. And I want to help us know them over the next few weeks. Now, I want you to understand something. <clears throat> Obedience to the commandments is not where we get our salvation. In fact, the, the commandments aren't given to help us see how good we are at doing good. The commandments are given to help us realize that no matter how hard we try, we need an outside rescuer to come and die and pay our penalty for the ones that we didn't get right. And we all have some of them that we didn't get right, and we had them this week, okay? And Jesus paid the price. So I want to be really, really clear. The Ten Commandments are not given so we can come up with some meritorious or performance-based salvation. That I'm good enough, I, did, I obeyed most of the Ten Commandments most of the time, there's more good than there is bad, and so at the end I'm going to heaven. No, that will put you in hell, okay? The Ten Commandments are not given for our salvation. The Ten Commandments are given so we can live as a product, as a response to our salvation. 
The scripture is very clear about this. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says this. For by grace you've been saved through him. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It is not from works so that nobody can boast. You see, one day, if you're born again in Jesus' name, <clears throat> sealed with the Holy Spirit, you go to heaven. And for all of eternity in heaven, you will never, ever be able to say, hey, how'd you get here? Well, I was just, I was good. I mean, God looked at me and says, man, you are all right. I'm just going to let you in because look at you, okay? If we can never boast, we will never be able to say that. Everybody's answer to that question in heaven will be the same. If they're there, it's because the answer is this, because Jesus fixed me on a cross. Jesus paid my sin debt on a cross. That's why I am here. Now, I want you to understand that we can see this uh, tangibly or played out in Scripture. It was this way in the Old Testament. It's this way in the New Testament. And here it is. You ready? God saves, and then he provides the rules for living a saved life. You remember in Exodus uh, chapter 14, Israel was saved. That's what it's called. He says this in Exodus 14, Moses said to the people, do not fear. Now they're standing at the Red Sea shore and big sea in front of them and a big enemy behind them. They had nowhere to go. And he said, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord that he will provide for you today. You see where salvation comes from? Not them, from above, it comes from God. For the Egyptians that you see today, you will never, ever see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you can be still. Now, now that's their salvation. Then, three months later, we get to chapter 20. That's what Scripture tells us, three months later. Three months later, we get the rule book for living a salvation life. Okay? It's important that we get that. You see, there's people who think, well, I, I can work myself. I can do good. I can fix myself. And then I'll let God save me. No, you can't fix you at all. Zero. You can't contribute anything to God's work of providing salvation, just like he did for the nation of Israel. So, here, so here's the equation. This is how it works. God provides our salvation. God promises a future freedom in heaven or the promised land. And God gives us rules of engagement for walking around in this journey between those two dates. Okay? It's the wilderness. Remember the land in the middle of salvation and the promised land. God says, I'm going to set you free. God says, one day, I'm going to let you be forever free. God says, but while you're in between those two, I'm going to give you some rules to help you be free and stay free and enjoy being free. So, salvation delivers us from the penalty of all sin, all right? Glorification, when we're in heaven one day, takes us to a place and removes us from the presence of sin, those are really big, really cool. Salvation takes away the penalty. Heaven one day removes the presence of sin. What about this land in the middle? This wilderness journey we're on. Sanctification rules are to help us stay free, and it removes the power of sin from our life. 
I want you to know that. Between the moment you're saved and the moment that you go to the promised land, God has given us rules of engagement, a, a Bible to help us, an instruction book on, leaving, uh, on living so that we can stay free while we're in this journey. He did not set you free so you could go back in the cage. He did not set you free, die on a cross, deliver you so you could put the shackles back on. He set you free because he wants you to be for, free forever, and he's given us instructions to help us be free in the middle. What an amazing God. And so we have these Ten Commandments, which are not, like I said, a rule book for being perfect and letting God and everybody know it. Uh, it's a guideline. It's a, it's a foundation or a bedrock for living in between our two freedom moments. All right? So we ought to know them. Now, I know you know the Ten Commandments, but I want you to know them better than the way some people say they know things. I, I had a friend of mine and his wife, uh, right after they got married, they were driving down the road and the radio was on. And Steve Miller Band, if you're old, you remember Steve Miller Band. He had a really cool song. It was called Big Ol' Chair with a Light on It. Is that what it's called? It was called Big Ol' Jet Airliner. She's singing Big Ol' Chair with a Light on It. She's singing it loud. She knew it loud. You know what I'm saying? I dated a girl in high school. I was driving an Oldsmobile 442, okay? Had an eight-track tape player made by Midland. You know, any old people know Midland, okay? And I had my eight-track with the Kingman. Quartet, no, it wasn't. It was Leonard Skinner. <laughs> that was who. So Leonard Skinner's on the eight-track, okay? And they had a really popular song, and she really liked it. And she was singing it loud. Are you ready? Sweet home, how about it? I, oh, I turned it down. I, turned, I, I, said, I said, what do they say? I, I never could understand it. She said, oh, sweet home, how about it? That's what I thought. I didn't tell her any different. She probably still singing it today. All right? Sweet home, Alabama would have been a good alternative to that song. Okay, so sometimes we think we know stuff. We really don't know it. Okay? The Ten Commandments are like that. So we're going to practice the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm going to bow out. Everybody say, loud. By the way, I want to say thank you to the worship team. Man, great stuff today. And I want to say thank you to you and thank you from the Lord for singing. I heard some of y'all singing. And don't worry, it was beautiful, man. It was good, wasn't it? Caleb called me, texted me the other day. He said, did you hear everybody singing? I said, yeah, it scared me just a little bit because they don't do that. Okay? Y'all are singing. It's awesome. God likes it. Okay? And so we're going so to say these loud. Now, I'm going to step out. Uh, I'm not going to say them. I want you to read them out loud. Say, we will. All right, here we go. Let's read these Ten Commandments. You all read it out loud. This is what y'all sound like. You shall not. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> okay. Murder. Of all of them, you're going to forget. You forgot you're not supposed to kill people. Okay. Murder. I threw a little curveball in there. So you thought you knew them, didn't you? All right, let's go. Pick it up right there.
Now, there's the Ten Commandments. Well, nine of them, y'all. y'all. If I wouldn't have had cheat notes in there, the whole thing would have sounded like. Y'all don't know the Ten Commandments? Y'all need to learn the Ten Commandments. All right? Why? Well, one reason, one day, if you're saved, you, you'll end up in heaven. Now, how would it be, man? You run across like Moses. You're like, Moses? You're like the Ten Commandment guy. He's like, yeah, did you like those? Well, I did, hold on. I said, yeah, I did like the Ten Commandments. And he'd say, did you learn them? Oh, yeah, I learned them. I learned them. And he's going to say, won't you say them to me? <laughs> okay. I want you to know them in case you ever run into Moses. That's a good one. But in case you've never run into Moses, I want you to know the Ten Commandments. Listen to me. Because God gave us the Ten Commandments to keep us free in this wilderness between freedom's door and freedom forever. That's why they've been given. Now, it's important to understand the value of it. But I, 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 I'm serious. God, this one today, this one has worked me over harder than any message I think I've preached in years. And it's good. It took me to a place of like revival. A place where it's just I'm, I felt vulnerable and exposed before God. No pretense, no, n- nothing there. And, and at the same time, I felt him just loving me like, yeah, let's get back to this. And if we miss this one, we miss much. So the title of the message on the back of your life, God, is simply this. The one and only. The one and only. Somebody stopped me out there and said, why are you smiling so big? I got much to smile about. I got a one and only God, the God of the universe, who chose to love me just like I was and died in my place to take me somewhere different. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm moved by the greatness of this. And so the one and only, are you ready? All right, four of you, that's all I need. Small group, it's good. Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt, from the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. How amazing. In this little subtle text that, that if we're reading scripture from front to back, cover to cover, and we get to this Exodus 20, these verses, and, and we read it, and it sounds good, and we're like, that's awesome, and we just keep on rolling to the next one, right? Because it's the Ten Commandments, and we already know them, so why do we need to spend any time on them? And, and so, but in this verse, there's, there's, there's much to be said. There's much value in unpacking this particular verse. So we're going to read it again. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you from the land of Egypt, from the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before before me. Point number one on the back of your life, God. The motive behind the commandment. Now, this is the first instruction that Israel has been given since three months ago when they got freed. Now, they, they've had some instructions about picking up food, you know, the manna from heaven and some of those things. But as far as guidelines for living, this is it. And so God's going to step up to the plate in front of Moses and he said, I got some instructions for you. And he launches with this grand slam of a verse. A couple of phrases that everything hinges on. 
All of our spiritual journey hinges on how well we get this. All of our obedience to God hinges on this. All of our ability to walk free in the wilderness, in the journey between salvation and glorification, it hinges not on nine, uh, two through ten, but on number one. If we don't get number one, we have messed it up. Now, I want you to notice, God doesn't show up, and he's got these people, you know, 90 days into the journey of their freedom. He doesn't show up, and he's ready to, like, cajole them or flatter them or, or just come up and say, listen, I just got to tell you all something. Moses, tell them the reason I picked them, because they are, like, awesome. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come and, hey, rally up, everybody, group hug. Let's get it all in here. Bring it in. Let's get a group hug, because y'all are killing it following Moses. He doesn't do that. Nope, zero, okay? He doesn't come to talk about Israel. And church, when God speaks, he doesn't come to talk about you. You do plenty of that on your own. You do it on social media. You do it in texting. You do it via emails. You do it on your phone that you carry 24-7. We do plenty of talking about ourselves. Ourself. God doesn't come for that. God shows up to say, I need to talk about me a little bit. Okay? That just needs to resonate with us. God wants to speak to you, not about you so much, but about him. Listen to me. This is big. Early service didn't get this. If you get him right in your life, the rest of you will align with it. When you have a fresh encounter with the one who whispered everything in existence out of the Latin term ex nihilo, nothing at all. When you have an encounter with that God, I, the Lord, am your God, all of a sudden, you just got real little. Your problems just got real small because God is so great. And so he nails it all on these phrases. I am the Lord your God. I saved you. You shouldn't have any other gods before me. Mic drop, game over, done. You got to get this. Now, here's the problem that we have. In, in, 3,500 years ago, no biggie to Israel. They, they already were introduced through Abraham and their heritage to the idea of a big one and only God. But in 2023... This is, this is heavy stuff. Because when we read this, all of a sudden we begin to think, well, God, I get it, but this is not totally politically correct. God, this is, doesn't sound very inclusive, and I'm not smelling the sense of tolerance here. And God, this doesn't sound very woke for you to say this, that I, the Lord, am your God, and you shouldn't have any others. That's exactly who God is. That's exactly what God says. And listen to me, church. Every single human being on the planet will come to a place, either here or there, where they have to say, you are God. You did offer yourself to me. The question is, what did I do with it? This is big. This is big. And so God's saying, today, I haven't changed I haven't moved from my position. I haven't, I haven't decided, well, let's redo it to meet culture. He hasn't done that. He says, I am still the Lord your God, and there shouldn't be any other gods. 
Now, why does it come in so strong? Like, these are the first, these are the first instructions. Couldn't we, like, warm up a little bit? You know, couldn't we talk about stuff that's easier to do than just coming in with the grand salami and punching me in the heart? God knew that if we don't get this one, we don't get the rest of them. In fact, if we ignore it or marginalize it or miss it, everything else collapses in failure. That's how big this is. You cannot do well commandments to through 10 or as Jesus would say the great commandment you cannot do those if you don't get number one right I can't your pastor got beat up with this I I I missed it I mean I dropped the ball I I didn't I didn't get it and and it wasn't it wasn't all that that it was I, I chose that I didn't understand it I didn't understand the gravity or the magnitude of of this one thing of God saying hey I the Lord and your God. I saved you, and there shouldn't be any other gods before me. Now, we talked about salvation. We talked about why it's important. So we talked about freedom in heaven and why that's important. So how does this commandment line up with it? Are you ready? At salvation's door... You don't need a commandment. And at heaven's door, you don't need a commandment that there's only going to be one God. You see, for Israel, salvation's door, they're standing on the shore of the Red Sea. And behind them is the most powerful military army in the world. And now all of a sudden, the sea parts. And they see a dry bottom to cross in. You don't need a commandment that says, there will be no other gods. You don't need that. You just got the big God memo right there, okay? You don't need it. And for me and for you at Salvation Store for us, when the Holy Spirit quickens our heart and invites us into his God's forever family, and it's in that moment that out of, in all the noise, he cuts through it, and, and you feel an invitation from God into his world, And he makes the pathway through Jesus, his son, on a cross. And in that moment, you feel naked and wretched and ashamed. But at the same time, you feel forgiven and loved. And and then just gratitude begins to seep from your pores because you, you can't comprehend what's happening. That a God like that would choose to love somebody like me. You don't need a memo or a commandment that says, I, the Lord, am your God have no other gods before me and at heaven's door you don't need a commandment when you're standing in heaven looking at the glory of God there's no competition in heaven for who's God there there was one who tried once upon a time his name was Lucifer he's out okay his future is sealed you don't, need, you don't need a commandment there or there. L- listen what happens. For, for Peter in Luke 5, when he realized that Jesus was God and Jesus was his Savior, he said this, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He didn't need a commandment in that moment. And, and then at heaven's door, 
Isaiah the prophet, he got invited to heaven to see the future. This is what he saw. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. And with two wings they covered their face, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And let me tell you what does not come next. I, the Lord, am your God, have no other gods before me. He didn't need to say that to Isaiah. Isaiah is looking in the face of the one and only God or in the presence of the one and only God. John, the beloved disciple, Wrote the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. This is what happens in Revelation 1. John the Revelator, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. In that moment, when you're slammed by his glory and consumed by his power and saturated by his love, you don't need a commandment. You're there, okay? So we don't need it at salvation's door. We don't need it at heaven's door. But we're in the wilderness, the land in the middle of these two amazing events. And this is where God knows we need an instruction book. It's this place where we're just saturated with other lowercase g gods, with saturated with invitations to deify or elevate things above their proper position. It's in this place that we need rules for living. Why? Because he saved you to set you free. He's preparing a home to be eternally free in this land. He wants us to walk free. Does anybody like to be free? Say, I do. The other half of you need to get some shackles and put, go to jail for about a month just to appreciate freedom. I'm a little bit claustrophobic. Kelsey, my daughter, she's more so. It doesn't mean I freak out all the time, but elevator rides during COVID were much better than elevator rides today. Today, you get in the elevator, and there's six people in there, and I'm starting to get a little weird, like, eh, you know, is there an escape hatch? And now, I don't know what these people are thinking, you know. They walk up, the door opens up, and it, it's full. And, and, and one lady's standing there, and she goes, oh, there's room. Come on, kids. Nine of them come in, okay? And everything in me is wanting to say, I got the COVID. I got the COVID, you know. Just clear this thing out, okay? And when the door finally opens, and I get out, oh, man. I'm free again, okay? God gives us rules not to make our life miserable, but to keep us free, to help us avoid getting shackled in this world. So that's the motive behind the commandment. Number two, what about the origin of the commandment? The origin of the commandment. Again, he says, I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you from the land of Egypt, from the house of slavery. Short, Precise, articulately clear. 
the origin, the author, the speaker. It's God. It's not Moses. It's not a man. It's the God of the universe. It's the God who whispered everything into existence. It's the God who is sovereign. It's the God who is omnipotent, all-powerful. It's the God who is omniscient, all knowledge. It's the God who is omnipresent, all places, at all times. It's the God who is infinitely elevated above anything else in existence. It is the God who is not subject or influenced by anything in existence. God. We forget that. We miss the memo. We forget that the God who loves us is that God. The God who's patient with us is that God. The God who invites us into his presence, he's that God. The God who died on a cross because of our sin is that God. And here he steps onto the scene with commandment number one. And he says, I just want you to know who you're dealing with here. I just, I just want you to know this is the relationship we have. I'm God, and I've saved you, but I got some rules to help you experience the journey, the wilderness life to get you ready for heaven. God is not saying, I'm here to campaign and prove that I'm better than all the other deities that you've risen up on your personal thrones. I'm not here for debate about me. I'm not here to hear anybody's opinions about me, and there are many. I'm not here for a popularity contest. I'm not here to pacify anybody. I'm not here to defend myself or define myself. I don't have to do that. I, the Lord, am your God. And I saved you. Ain't nobody else doing that. I'm God. We got to get back to that place or we mess everything else up. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the pastor. I mean, I try hard to live a Christian life. I try hard to keep that right. But man, this thing has just smitten me, awakened me. And so what we do is even today if we hear that message, you say, well, okay, <clears throat> preacher, I hear what you're saying God said about himself. But you know what? I, I've been to college, man. I've been to college. And I took a class in college, a religion class. And I learned this word called polytheism yeah that's what I learned polytheism which says there are many gods God to which God would say oh really well for the record I the Lord am your God well okay but in this same class they threw out another word called atheism where there really is no God at all and God says really I the Lord am your God and then, well, also in the class, they said, well, there's people that are called agnostics. And the word there, knowledge, God, means there's a lot of information, but we don't really have enough information to truly know who God is. And God would say, really, that's a good word. I, the Lord, am your God. And he could go on and say, and I wrote a book. You ought to read it. Okay? Now, the origin then gets very, very clear and I want you to know where it doesn't come from, which is where we're getting a lot of our garbage information, okay? Okay, I'm going to read a few things that are very politically correct. 
This information does not come from some philosophically woke millennial with a personal agenda and a confused pronoun. Okay, that'll get me an email. This does not come from some high-minded academician educated beyond his or her intelligence level teaching in a community college. This information does not come from the squeaky wheel on the engine of enlightenment trying to make a name for themselves in this big world. This information comes from God. And so we can believe it. So, so, so now we know the origin and, we, and, 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 and if it's really from God, we should listen. We should pay attention. We should give allegiance to it. He doesn't give an autobiographical sketch of his origin or his plan. His credibility and his credentials, listen to me, are given through his fingerprints and his handiwork. The Romans tells us that the invisible nature of God is declared through the, uh, the invisible nature of God is declared through the visible things of creation. You look at the stars, it just screams, God. You look at the seasons, God. You look at the ocean tide, God. You look at the flowers of all the abundant colors around the world, God. You look at the animal kingdom in all of its display, God. You look at procreation and childbirth, God. Everywhere, everything tangible points to the greatness and the glory of this one who said, I, the Lord, am your God. Don't have any other gods before me. And so we've got to get this one right. Number three. So what's the expectation of the commandment? It says it right here. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the expectation. Okay, well, well what does that mean? God does not mean, okay, this one, this part of the, this preparation, the other parts got me, but this one is the one that really kind of hurt me. Because God is not saying, don't have any gods ahead of him, and God's not saying, don't have any gods beside me, and God's not saying, don't have any gods below me. The phrase, don't have any gods before me, the phrase actually means, don't have any gods in my face. God's saying, don't have it, listen to me, don't have any other gods because there are no other gods. That's the one that got me. It dawned on me. We refer to stuff as God. Even if I say, I say lowercase g God to let you know it's fabricated God. God's saying, listen, there are no other gods. I, the Lord, am your God. So don't be artificially fabricating anything else in your existence in your life and even bringing it into my circle and I don't want to be the top of the list I want to be the center of your universe I want there to be a big circle and the person in the middle of your circle is not to be you the person in the middle of your circle is to be I the Lord am your God and if you get him in the center of the circle of your universe, everything else is going to work out just fine. He, he's not saying, I want you to be 
monotheistic. You say, well, why are we using these terms? Because these are terms. They're very real terms. He said, I'm not asking you to be monotheistic. What is that? Mono, one, the, theo, God, one God. I'm not asking you just to believe in one God. That's not enough. It's good. And the Christian community is monotheistic. We believe in one God. But so do the Muslims. And it's not our God. And so do Zoroastrianism. They have one God, not our God. And so do uh, Rastafarianism and Sikhism and Judaism. They all have, we all are monotheistic, but that doesn't get it right. That doesn't get us where we need to be. He's saying monotheism is a choice somebody makes about believing in one God. And God's saying, what you believe about me doesn't affect me. What you believe about me doesn't determine if I'm God or not. I, the Lord, am your God. What you believe about it doesn't matter. And you will either own that, confess that, live in that now, or one day you'll own it and confess it and live without him in a place of torment. It's that simple. That's what he's saying. I I don't want you to believe me to be God. I want you to know me to be God. And that's big for me because I believe a lot. I got good belief. I got mustard seed faith. But some things I don't need to believe. I just need to know. And I like knowing. Without stammer or stagger, without reservation, I like planting my feet in the reality that God is my God. If you all reject him, that's between you and God. I got a God. I got a God. And he's for me. And he pursues me. And he loves me. And he rescues me. And he's preparing a forever home for me. I got a good God and I know it. And we've got to get to that place. But at the same time, God is not saying, and this is welcome to America. Here's a word for you, henotheism. Henotheism. This is America religion. We're not a Christian nation anymore. We're founded on Christian principles, but we've abandoned that. Henotheism says you can have a lot of things in your life that are really valuable, and you could, they could, you could, people would consider that you have that as a God in your life. That's henotheism, where you got a lot of gods, okay? And, and so, like, if I live in a rural area, I, I want my God to be the God of rain or sunshine and harvest, If I live in an urban inner city downtown area, I I want my God to be more of a God of of prosperity and a God of uh, maybe uh, uh, sensuality and and some of those things and culture and success. I want want that God. And henotheism says there's all these gods. And so for a Christian in America, what we do is we, we accept henotheism even though we don't call it that. And we think as long as I can keep God of the Bible kind of on top of the list most of the time and, and I'll go to church on Sunday just to kind of show him and tell him I got you back up on top I know I chased the rabbit all week but I got you I got you back up here okay God's saying you can burn the list there's n- there's n- I don't want you to keep me on the top of your list I want you to burn the list I'm just God I'm the only one you got nowhere else to go. You can pretend all day long, but you will not get to where you're going. So the demand of the commandments is very clear. 
You're to have no other gods. Now, here's the worst part of this message. <laughs> you thought it was bad already? This is the worst part. I'm just going to warn you. So right now, if you need to go to the bathroom, get a drink, check on the kids, or you know, go home and clean your sock drawer, whatever you think you need that you leave early some of you on Sunday morning. If you need to do that now, it's a good time because if you get up while we're doing the next part, we're all going to look at him and say, mm-hmm. So we don't want to do that, so I'm going to give you an out. Okay, we're going to stick it out. It's good. Now, so what do we do? Here we go. What's the response then to commandment number one? What about the response to this amazing commandment? So we're going to take a, a pop quiz today. And a pop, I didn't call it a test. A test means I was supposed to let you know it's coming. I didn't let you know, so it's not a test. It's a pop quiz. You didn't know it's coming. Okay? The pop quiz is designed to help us know what we really believe about God. How can we tell how we are doing at allowing the one and only God to be our one and only God? Have we deified or made divine things or not? Now, this is the part that I didn't do good on. The others I... I the others I did poorly on this, I just, I didn't do good at all, okay? And like I said, I'm going to share the love. You know, if it's good enough for the preacher, it's good enough for you. And so before we do the quiz, I want to give you some keys for honest evaluation on the pop quiz. So fair enough? I mean, I'm going to give you, this is, this is your help, this cheat sheet. This is going to help you, okay? As you answer the questions, uh, let this run through the litmus of your mind. How would your calendar of events answer the question that we're getting ready to ask? Which talents or strengths in my life do I seem to practice the most? Where does my mind seem to go in the margins or in the quiet spaces in life? What would my text messages and social media posts suggest about the answers to the question? And what affects my bank statement balance and my resources the most? So, so that's kind of the that's how we're processing, okay? So we're all on the same page. We're all thinking through the same lens, so to speak, okay? Now, on the back of your life guide, if you got a life guide, hold it up. Let me see if you got a life guide. Okay, that's good, good, good. On the back, I've got an answer key, okay? And the answers are A through N. Now, A is the one and only God. Then it goes your career, your family, your children, your grandchildren, your 401k, your GPA, your sport, your hobby, your relationships, your money, your popularity, your looks, or your personal agenda. And listen to me. Everybody look right here. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Nothing wrong. Even your personal looks. You ought not look the worst you can when you go out. Okay? Your personal agenda. We live in a world with an agenda. You need to have a personal agenda. Your career, your grandchildren, premium. Important. Okay? So... You may have other answers that come to your mind. These are just some that, you know, maybe have been on my list once upon a time. Now we're going to take the pop quiz. Are you ready? I want you to answer as honestly as you can. And you can choose one of those answers I gave or you can do another. Here's the first question I, I want to answer, ask you. Who or what do I give my time to? Who or what do I give my time to? And I would say the most, the most of your time. It ain't no need cheating, you know. No, no need cheating, just be honest. I had to be honest. Number two, who or what do I give my talent to? 
Number three, who or what do I give my focus to? Number four, who or what do I give my conversation to or about? Next, who or what do I give my resources to? Next, who or what do I live to please most every day? Next, who or what do I run to in times of need? Next, who or what causes my highest joy and my lowest grief? Who or what do I give the best of me to? And lastly, who or what do I trust most with my future? Didn't you love that pop quiz? Didn't you love it? Just say, I love it. Just say, I love it. You liar. Yeah. So here's the thing. On your answer sheet, if, if A was not on one of those, you failed the test. In other words, if all nine you had assorted answers, but if, if, A was, if A wasn't on one of them, you failed the test. That's bad news, isn't it? You want to know the worst news? If the answer to every question was not A, we failed the test. That's the worst news. Now, I got news for you. I took the quiz myself. Failed it miserably. Absolutely obliterated the pop quiz. Candidly, probably got a zero. Okay? And I took it all by myself. Could have cheated. All right? That tells us what's going on in our life. And that is why the very first instruction that God gives Israel three months into their wilderness journey is the first instruction that you and I need to nail down because if we miss that we miss it all and if you missed it would you raise your hand and just say yeah I missed it okay we missed it and if you didn't raise your hand you just now missed it okay pride I didn't put that one on there should have put that one on there so is Yahweh the one and only God is he the God of our life right here, right now? Or is there something else? And it shows up every, I want you to listen, every decision that we make every day is a display of who God is in our life. Tonight, my wife is out of town. Tonight, when I'm on the computer, I'm probably looking at Facebook Marketplace, okay, just to be honest with you, looking for a golf cart for here at the church, okay? But there'll be a little toolbar show up over there, and it'll say adults only or whatever. Oh, crossroads, crisis of belief, revelation, who's God in this moment when nobody's looking? When I've got a movie on, and it's Netflix, and it seems like every other word starts with an F or Every time there's somebody kissing on there, it's two dudes or two women, and I sit there and saturate my life. I'm at the crossroads. I'm at the crisis of belief. Who's God in my life? Will I turn it off or just continue to saturate my world? When I just finished my taxes, 
And my tax man says, how many ministry miles did you have? I had 142 million, okay? At 54 cents a piece, I should get a check back, okay? No, crisis of belief, crossroads, okay? When I'm sitting at the traffic light, which seems to be the one that seems to get me most, and the person in front of me has got their head down under the ashtray checking their text message or something, and I try to be patient. It's crossroads, crisis of belief. Who's going to be God in that moment? Is he God here? Is he God now? You see, every day that we disobey God, it demonstrates to God who the God is of our life. Now, I did this the other day. Don't worry, I'm not coming out there to sit in your chair. But i got to tell you this. What do you do? What do you do? There's people in here right now, right now, you know God's not God in your life. You know it. I, I, I don't know it. I don't know it for you. I just know it. How do I know it? I walked in these shoes all week, okay? What do you do? Crossroads. Crisis of belief. Who's going to be God now? Who's going to be God here? You either choose him or you choose not him. There's no in-between. There's no gray area here. This world's full of gray. So I had to get to a place. I just had to say, God, I missed it. I have ruined this. I have gone so far away from you being like God, God, like everything God. I had to repent. And listen to me. As soon as I did, he showed up. Not casually, not stealth mode. He came running into my business again. I felt him as tangibly as I'm standing here, just surrounded me with his Holy Spirit and said, that's what I'm looking for. Right there. That's what I'm looking for. Don't worry about anything else beyond it right now. Just get this one right. Just posture your heart and your soul in this place where you know, K-N-O-W, you know that I, the Lord, am your God. That's what we do. That's what we should do. Or the alternative. Yeah, I didn't do good on the test, but I'm going to try harder this week. You're just going to fail that test too because it's not about you. He wants to talk about him. And all of us have to get to a place. All of us. Everybody goes to heaven. Let me, let me go say that. Everybody goes to heaven. But most of them ain't going to stay there. Okay? Everybody goes to heaven to answer, to receive their judgment. Everybody goes, but everybody doesn't stay. In fact, Scripture says... Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And narrow is the way that leads to righteousness and a relationship with God. So that means most of our people, most everybody you know, are not going to heaven. And are not staying in heaven. So all of us have to get to this place for based on the conviction of our heart. And the Holy Spirit's just working on us. Where we just 
We plant our feet, man. We drive a stake and we tether ourselves to commandment number one. No matter what happens in my life, no matter what crisis, no matter what setback, no matter what disappointment, no matter what frustration, no matter what relationship crumbles, no matter what job I lose, no matter what my finances look like, no matter, no matter, I am tethered to commandment number one. I, the Lord, am your God. No matter what happens, do not bring any other junk in my face, before my face, because there's no other gods. I'm God, and that's all. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to know that I love you. But it pales in comparison to the depth of love that the God of commandment number one has for you. You are the apple of his eye. You are the one that if there were no others, he would come and die in your place. You are the one that he has cherished since before you were conceived in the womb. You are the one that he has never loved you less in your darkest moment, in your most sinful, heinous day. The God of commandment number one has his eye on you and his affection on you. Maybe you're here today, and the God of commandment number one is a foreign God to you. He said, I, the Lord, am your God. He wants to have a relationship with you, a personal walk with you. And he does it through Jesus, his son. That's it. No other way. No other way. What Jesus did has to come into your life. So maybe you're here today, and you need to receive him as a personal God through Jesus, his son. You say, well, I, I've heard of that stuff, but what do I do? It's not rocket science. You say, God, I know I'm a mess. I know I've sinned. I know I'm, I'm not right with you. But I believe Jesus died on a cross to make me right with you. I confess of my sinfulness. I repent, meaning I turn and change directions from this world and its life to you. I want Jesus to come into my life and save me. I want to exchange all of my mess for all of Jesus's perfection. Save me today if you will, and he will. And for the rest of us, most of us, we've already made that profession, that confession, but we have not allowed him to be the God of our life. And so we're going to stand here and sing, and if somebody wants to come and bow at this offer at this altar and just confess that to God he'll hear your prayer if the intention of your heart is right he'll radically forgive you and he'll set you free because that's what he wants you to live in in this journey of life called the wilderness freedom father I thank you so much for this incredibly hard message I thank you for this incredibly beautiful truth that you are God and you are our God and we can know it with certainty and because of who you are we should never allow anything else to rise above its proper place in our life. God, everything else, just let it point to the glory of the greatness of who you are. God, we thank you for being patient with us and loving us all the time. 
In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.